Good meal tonight, huh? Wonderful. Thank you all for preparing food. It was great. The, the pie was excellent. I don't know if that's the best thing to do right before a teaching, but hopefully you guys are relaxed. Um, we're in uh, Gospel of Mark, chapter 1. We're going to be picking up in verse 32 tonight. Last, um, last week, Pastor Victor was teaching, um, we kind of pick up in the middle of it, well, I shouldn't say the middle of the day, but uh, towards the end of the Sabbath day was where we're going to pick up tonight. Um, if you remember, um, Jesus was ministering right at the beginning of the day in the synagogue, and, um, and then he went to Peter's home, and of course, Peter's mother-in-law was sick, and uh, Jesus healed her there. And uh, that's, uh, of course, it's on the Sabbath, and we're going to pick up in verse 32. At evening, when the sun had set, they brought to him all who were sick and those who were demon-possessed, and the whole city was gathered together at the door. Then he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons, and he did not allow the demons to speak because they knew him. And... Uh, in case you're wondering, I mean, and I, I know Pastor Victor has mentioned this many times, is that the, their days, the Jewish days, ended at sundown. So this would have been the end of the Sabbath uh, when the sun went down. And now it had the opportunity for those who needed to travel to Jesus to do that. Uh, they had restrictions on travel during the Sabbath. And so as soon as the sun went down, after a long day of ministry, <laughs> you know, all the people start showing up at Peter's house and... Um, ready to see Jesus, and he continues to minister into the evening uh, to heal many that were there. Um, Pastor Victor also mentioned this last week, that Mark's gospel, somewhat interesting because it's, it's kind of like uh, just detail after detail after detail. Uh, it's probably, you know, I remember, have you guys heard of this book called Cold Case Christianity? It's an apologetics book. Um, it's about a guy who, uh, he was a crime scene investigator and, uh, it was an atheist and he went out to disprove the Bible and he was going to take the four witnesses, the four gospels and say, I'm going to show you how this is all inaccurate. And, um, but the way he describes Mark is like the first one to the crime scene, that first police officer, and he's just reporting the facts and he's getting them all out there. And you can kind of see that in his writing. He's, he doesn't go into long, elaborate detail. He just kind of gets to the point. Um, but anyways, good book if you want to check it out. Now, the, what we see here right away is him just pointing out the messianic prophecy fulfillment. Um, Isaiah 35, 5 through 6, Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer, and the tongue of the dumb, dumb sing. For the waters shall burst forth in the wilderness, and streams in the desert. And uh, you would think after all of this, the next thing I would do, <laughs> the next thing I have done, especially after a long day of ministry, is I'm sleeping in tomorrow, right? But we pick up in verse 35, and it says, Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. 
And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. When they found him, they said to him, everyone is looking for you. And I love this balance about Jesus. Um, it reminds me of like Martha and Mary, and you just get both with Jesus. You know, he's, he's the servant of all. He's serving all day, but then he takes the time at the feet of the Father. And he prioritizes that time and even gets up long before the daylight. Um, so just a beautiful picture there and a beautiful example um, for us. Um, verse 38, but he said to them, let us go into the next town that I might preach there also, because for this purpose, I have come forth. And he was preaching in their synagogues throughout all of Galilee and casting out demons. Now, if you remember, Peter's house is in Capernaum. And so he leaves Capernaum, goes into the other towns around Capernaum um, to do likewise, right? To preach the good news, um, as well as many, many... Um, miracles that would took place. If you do a survey of the Bible, I mean, we get them kind of listed out here, but if you go through all of scripture with, you know, Matthew and Luke, especially, and you look at the miracles that took place in this time period, in these cities, uh, people raised from the dead, um, all of the miracles we saw listed here, it's really incredible. And you, you probably remember this verse in Luke 10, 13 through 15, woe to you, Chorazin. And Chorazin is one of those neighboring towns to Capernaum. Uh, woe to you, Bethsaida, another one of those towns right around Capernaum. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. Oh, sorry about that, Jordan. But it will be more bearable in the judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? You shall be brought down to Hades. And um, it just shows you that, you know, the, you know, you, you're going to see some different people. Obviously, people that are brought to the feet of Jesus people that are healed, people that are, sins were forgiven. But even though all these amazing works were done, largely the people that are coming are just there to see a show. I mean, that's kind of what we're seeing here. There's many, many people that are gathered there um, that hearts were not changed. Um, verse 40, we read, Now a leper came to him, implore, imploring him, kneeling down to him and saying to him, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Now, I noticed this right before um, I, I drove over here tonight. We're going to talk about leprosy a little bit. And I have two pages out of a four-page notes about leprosy. So I apologize if you didn't want to know about leprosy. <laughs> um, I just realized that right before this. So just so you guys know, leprosy, also known as Hansen's disease, um, it's an infection that can lead to to damages of the nerves, um, the skin, the eyes. Um, it's pretty prevalent in the Bible. You'll, you know, run across it a lot, um, but it is still an active disease today. Um, there is treatment for it. There's medical treatment for it. And if you're in a country like the U.S., you probably don't have to worry about leprosy too much. But if you're in the third world uh, where you may not have access to that treatment, this is still an issue today. Um, this, the nerve damage basically numbs 
it, it numbs the pain of any sort of injury you have. And so when you get these injuries and then it can lead to infection. And if you don't have pain, you just don't worry about it. And of course your skin will start deteriorating away. Um, this is just kind of the, one of the nicest pictures I could find on leprosy. If you, you know, if you want to see real gross stuff, you can look that up. But uh, just to give you the idea, it just eats away at the skin. And um, there, you know, one comparison, and, you know, many of you know this, that there's a comparison between what leprosy does to the body and what sin does to the soul. Um, I believe that all of us, even without the Holy Spirit, have a conscience we're born with, some sort of moral compass that we're born with. And sin to, the, to our soul will eat away at that, right? And it does it slowly. At first, you may feel shame when you do something. Uh, but when you continue to do it over and over and over again, eventually you just grow hard to it. And you, that leprosy is now taken over and eaten away at the soul. Um, and it spreads right throughout your whole body. I saw this verse in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 2. Listen to what it says about the conscious. Now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter, latter times, some will depart from the faith giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. And some translation says their own conscience is dead, right? So they're at the point where people will do things that are against God's moral law and have zero regret or shame. It's just, they just do it. And it, it's gone, right? It's seared. Their conscience is completely seared. Um, and that's what uh, Paul's telling us in this letter, that during those latter times that there'll be people like this where their conscience is completely seared, that leprosy of the soul has completely rotted, rotted it away. Um, verse 41, then Jesus moved with compassion, stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. Now, keep in mind, and many of you know this, that once you're declared a leopard, you um, would be separated from your family. You would be separated from your friends and your community. The likelihood that this is probably the first time this person has been touched since probably the priest had examined his leprosy, right? And, um, and it was Jesus. And most rabbis at the time not only would keep the required distance, right? There was a required six foot distance, but if it was windy, that could, you know, I heard, you know, if it's really windy, you know, it's like a hundred feet away. You got to be, um, they, not only would they keep that, but there was actually uh, one I read about that, that was bragging about throwing stones to make sure that he kept clean, right? So you'd throw stones at uh, the leper so that they would make sure that distance was kept. Uh, so here we have the rabbi, the servant Jesus, reaching out and just touching him. You know, what an impact that must have been for this person. Um, verse 42. As soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy left him, and he was cleansed. And he strictly warned him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go your way. Show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing those things which Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Now, 
The priest initially, like I had mentioned, had to declare him unclean, had to declare the leprosy on him. They were the ones required by law to do the examination and make the call to separate them from, um, from the congregation, from the community, from his family. And I just got to think that must have been a tough job. I mean, this, I mean, we think about it just as a matter of fact, but the reality is this is very traumatic that he's making that call that this person can no longer be with his family. And uh, so to me, this priest that would do this, if they had a heart, <laughs> these people would stick with them. You know, they would be um, somebody, it's an event that they would definitely remember. And we see here Jesus not only heal him, but send him back to the priest to what the scripture says here, um, to offer for the cleansing those things which Moses commanded as a testimony to them. And so what, what I want to do, um, I called Pastor Victor about this this week to make sure I wasn't off track, but this is, this is something that, um, th this part of it is something that the priest probably never did. The last time I could find in the scripture that, that there was a leper cured was um, Naaman in Kings by Elisha, right? Remember, he had to go to the Jordan, dip seven times. Um, remember that number because it kind of comes up here in Leviticus. And then, uh, then he was healed. That's the last account I could find in the scriptures. And so this particular priest that he's going to go to or this synagogue or wherever the priest was that he was going to go to likely had no idea what to do. <laughs> that would be my guess uh, because it probably never came up. And so, um, so he would have had to turn to Leviticus to figure this out. And so let's do that, right? So we're going to go to Leviticus uh, chapter 14. If you guys can turn with me or, or scroll with me in your app. And we're going to walk through what the priest was called to do in this event. So right here, uh, chapter 14, verse one, then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, and I, I don't miss that part of it because here we have Jesus touching the leper saying, go back to the priest to listen to what Moses said, but it's God telling Moses, here's what you need to write down. Right? So it's all connected, right? It's incredible. And if you remember inside the tent of meetings, uh, the scripture says that the Lord would speak to Moses face to face. Now, no one has ever seen the face of God. So I don't totally know the context of that. Was that, was that Jesus? Was it just, he spoke, I think it was more like he just spoke plainly with them. Like a man speaks to a man. He just said, here, Moses, write this down. And Moses is writing it down. You know, that's the way I see that. Um, but here it is. Here's what he writes down. So verse two, this shall be the law of the leper. For the day of his cleansing, he shall be brought to the priest and the priest shall go out of the camp and the priest shall examine him. And indeed, if the leprosy is healed in the leper, then the priest shall command to take for him who is to be cleansed two living and clean birds, cedar wood, scarlet and hyssop. And the priest shall command that one of the birds be killed in an earthen vessel over running water water as for the living bird he shall take it the cedar wood and the scarlet and the hyssop and dip them 
them and the living bird in the blood of the bird that was killed over the running water. And he shall sprinkle it seven times on him who is to be cleansed from the leprosy and shall pronounce him clean and shall let the living bird loose in the open field. Okay. So hopefully you're starting to capture some of the parallels to Jesus here, but I'm going to just kind of bullet point them for you guys. So the ritual can be summarized here, okay? So the, this happened outside of the camp, away from the normal conduct, uh, the system of sacrifice that they would conduct, you know, conduct uh, like in the temple, right? So outside of the camp, this had to happen. Uh, there, a living thing of the heavens was to be sacrificed in an earthen vessel, okay? Even as the bird was killed, it was cleansed by running water, the death associated with the water and blood was applied to the leper and applied perfectly seven times in connection with the living bird. The sacrificial blood was also applied to the scarlet yarn and the piece of wood together with the hyssop. Bearing the marks of the sacrifice, the living bird flew away, ascending to heaven and out of sight. Okay, so here's, you know, the... Re- Remarkable connection to our Savior, right? That was laid out right here. I'm going to rattle off a bunch of verses just to make the connection for you guys in all of these areas. Um, so Hebrews 13:12 says, Therefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered outside the gate. So outside the camp, just like this event that took place. Um, Jesus was a man from heaven, right? So John 313, no one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is the son of man who is in heaven. So just like the birds are from the heaven, right? Jesus remained cleansed and holy even to his death, becoming sin without becoming a sinner. Jesus, be, Jesus came by water and blood and died in association with water and blood. John 1934 says, but one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear and immediately blood and water came out. Jesus died in association with a scarlet cloth, right? Just like the, the scarlet cloth for the, for the sacrifice. Uh, Matthew twenty seven twenty eight, and they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. Jesus died in association with wood, right? With the wood of the cross. Jesus died in association with hyssop. John uh, 19... 29, now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there and they filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on the hyssop and put it in his mouth. Jesus lived bearing the marks of his death. John 20, 27, then he said to Thomas, reach your finger here and look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And just like that bird that was released would always bear the marks of the sacrifice with them. And then uh, finally, Jesus ascending to heaven out of human sight, um, Acts 1, chapter 9. Now, when he had spoken these things while he, while they watched, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. So just an incredible connection uh, that God, I mean, only God can lay these things out. It's so incredible to me. And I know it shouldn't be surprising. You know, you see him all the time. 
I don't know um, when I was going through this, I just, I just don't know if I realized the depth of the connection there of how many areas that was hit by what, the way God laid it out to Moses. Um, David says in Psalms 51, 7, purge me with hyssop and I shall be cleaned. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. And um, certainly we need that. We need to be cleansed from our sins like the leopard was here. And um, let's uh, continue on. So verse 45. Now remember Jesus said, uh, say nothing to anyone. And so verse 45, however, he went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the matter so that Jesus could no longer openly enter the city, but was outside in deserted places, and they came to him from every direction. And uh, I know, I know, I know that we're supposed to obey Jesus, but could you hardly blame the guy? I mean, what do you say to your family when you get home? You know, like you look different. No, nothing, nothing's different. You know, <laughs> it's very hard, but you know, he was supposed to obey Jesus. Um, and obviously here it gives a reason why is that it would inhibit the ministry of Jesus from going into the cities because uh, it was attracting crowds, not necessarily people that wanted to seek Jesus, but see people that just wanted to see uh, wondrous works, right? And what's going on. Um, but all right, so let's go to uh, chapter two. And again, he entered Capernaum after some days. And it was heard that he was in the house. Now, what house was he in? We don't know for sure, but it's, it makes some sense that he was back at Peter's house because that's where he was before they went out on this trip, but we don't, we don't know for sure. Immediately many gathered so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door, and he preached the word to them. Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. Now, we see here in verse three, they came to him. We don't know how many were they. We know there was at least four men because that's who was carrying the paralytic, but there certainly could have been many more than four. Um, but we see this group that came to them. Um, who was it that was carrying the paralytic? You know, I was thinking about this. You know, was it his family, his friends? Was it just, you know, some strangers that saw him off to the side of the road and said, hey, we're going to see Jesus. You should come with us. And he's like, can't, right? I'm a paralytic. So maybe it was that, and they were carrying him there. Um, we don't know the full context, uh, but let's continue reading. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they broke through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. And Jesus saw their faith. He said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, I don't want to miss this point because I think it's very important in verse five. Where did Jesus give the credit to? Is it their faith, right? The, not necessarily the paralytic's faith. Now, I'm not teaching a new doctrine here. The paralytic had to have some amount of faith for his sins to be forgiven, right? I mean, the, he can't be saved without any faith at all. So certainly he had some amount of faith, but really Jesus gave the credit to those that brought him. That those that brought him to the feet of Jesus and then said it was because of their faith that his sins were forgiven. Um, this made me think of a kind of a couple of things, but there was a couple of parables that Jesus told 
one about an unrighteous judge. And there's a widow that um, comes for a ruling, comes for justice uh, against her adversary to this unrighteous judge, right? And um, he doesn't rule on her behalf. He doesn't rule on her case. And so she persists. She keeps coming. She keeps coming, right? I don't know. He's in the parking lot getting out of his camel, you know, and she's there, right? And when he's leaving the courthouse, she's there, right? And continuing, continuing. And he, and he finally says, you know, he gives up and he's like, before I grow weary of this, I'm just going to rule on this case. And um, Jesus gives this example as it relates to prayer, right? And not saying that Jesus is an unrighteous judge. It's the exact opposite. He's saying, because I am a righteous judge, because I am righteous, because I am good, how much better when you continue to seek me, continue, I hate to say it, pester me, right? Continue to bring those people to the feet of Jesus, those people in our lives that don't know him, um, those family members, those friends, those strangers, co-workers, loved ones, kids, grandkids, parents, sisters, to continue on. Um, another, another parable Jesus gives as it relates to this is a, what I would say the persistent neighbor, right? The neighbor is gonna, has some visitors come in. It says at midnight, he goes to his neighbor's house, knocks on the door, and asks for, I think it was three loaves of bread. And uh, the neighbor's like, I'm in bed with my kids and the doors are locked. We're not getting up, but dunk, 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 right. Just keeps going, keeps going. And finally, you know, the neighbor gives up. Here's your bread. Get out of here. Right. <laughs> How much more a good God, a good neighbor that will answer our prayers when we come to him. Um, Luke eleven ten says, for everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds and to him who knocks, it'll be open. And this speaks of a, it's a, uh, a continual thing. Whoever asks, continually asks, asks. Whoever seeks, continually finds, right? Whoever knocks, continually, just like those parables, continuing to bring people in front of Jesus, bring, bringing people to the feet of Jesus. Um, another uh, Scripture that I was looking up was in Daniel. If you remember, Daniel was given a vision. And after he was given the vision, he didn't, he didn't understand. He needed a translation of the vision. And he, it says he was mourning and fasting for three weeks um, to, to ask for a translation. And, and they, the book of Daniel gives us like a dip into the spiritual world. And it's like, you know, the, the, the angels coming to him to give him this interpretation, but somehow is inhibited. But it says the Prince of Persia, right? But this is, there's an angelic battle that takes place between demons and these angels. And, and it, the angel says, I was sent on the first day when you started praying, you know, but Daniel just kept going 21 days praying, seeking the Lord. And finally the angel got there um, to give the interpretation. And, uh, you know, I don't know, room this size. I would say with just us in the room, not those watching online, we, we probably represent at least 100 people that need to be brought to the feet of Jesus. You know, co-workers, kids, grandkids, loved ones, neighbors. And, um, you know, this section of scripture just encouraged me to 
persist in that. You know, don't give up. Continually ask the Lord, continually to bring those needs, bring those people to the feet of Jesus. Um, because he says it was, he saw their faith to the, and, and he healed the paralytic. He, he, well, I shouldn't say that. We'll get there. I just gave it away. But uh, he, he forgave his sins, which is better, right, than being healed. But, you know, so, so I recognize that the paralytic had a part here. And all of our loved ones have a part. I don't know what percentage that part is, but there's a part they have to play in there. And um, at some point, they have to surrender. But we can bring those people to the feet of Jesus. All right. Verse 6. And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why does this man speak blasphemy like this? Who can, get, who can forgive sins but God alone? Were they saying this out loud? It was in their hearts, right? Isn't that crazy? I think about that sometimes. I'm like, do you really hear me, what I'm saying, you know, like in my mind and stuff? Yes, he does. Uh, verse 8. But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven or to say, arise, take up your bed and walk. What is easier to say? What do you think? Take up your bed and walk. You're in a lot of trouble if you don't get it right. <laughs> it's easier to, yeah, but it would certainly um, take up your bed and walk requires them to see some sort of physical thing to happen. Your sins are forgiven. How do you prove it? Right? <laughs> so, I mean, it's a, you're, you're on the hook there. If you say, rise, take up your bed and walk, you better, you better be, um, you better be really expecting a miracle to take place. Um, so in my mind, it was easier for Jesus to say your, your sins are forgiven because how are you going to prove that? You know, it's like, what do you mean? You know, it, of course it was true. Jesus forgave his sins, but that was the easier thing. Arise, pick up your bed and walk. That's the harder thing because now you got to produce the evidence, right? Now I got to see it alive. And that's what he follows up with. Um, but that, sorry, verse 10, but that you may know that the son of man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. Verse 12, immediately he arose, took up the bed and went out in the presence of them all so that all were amazed and glorified God saying, we never saw anything like this. And that is an understatement. I mean, to see something like that, I don't know if amaze is the right word, but I can't think of a better word, uh, but definitely an understatement there. Um, this section of scripture, I mean, we see the incredible power of Jesus. The, the big thing to me was just bringing people to the feet of Jesus, um, not only in prayer, but in, but in outreach also. Um, you know, I think, I know, Ever since CR started, we've had a heart for outreach and reaching the community with bringing people here to the church with VBSs or going out and doing things in the community. 
I encourage you all to get in, get involved in that. You know, bringing you know we we bring people to the feet of Jesus right here. We bring them to the feet of Jesus in prayer, and we go out there and and do the same thing, uh, bringing people to the feet of Jesus. And um, so let's do that together. Um, I'm going to read the next few verses, and then we'll close. Uh, verse 13. Then he went out again to the sea, and all the multitude came to him, and he taught them. As he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax office, and he arose and followed him. Now it happened, as he was dining in Levi's house, that many tax collectors and sinners also sat together with Jesus and his disciples. For there were many, and they followed him. And when the scribes and the Pharisees saw him eating with the tax collectors and sinners, they said to his disciples, how is it that he eats and drinks with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need for a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to the righteous, but the sinner to repentance. And here we get introduced to Matthew or Levi. Uh, Levi, also known as Matthew, uh, the son of Alphaeus. We, we, we don't know for sure, but the, the guess is he's a Levite. That's where he gets the name Levi. Um, he's a Levite, so you, you call him a, we call him a PK, right? A priest kid. And, um, and obviously, he went off the rails a little bit here. The, the, uh, the tax collectors were definitely despised by the Jewish people. They were, worked for the Romans. They oppressed the Jewish people. It, I, I even heard that the tax collectors would, they would, they would bid on an area so that, you know, the highest bidder, who could collect the most, would get the job, and then they would skim off the top. So then they would have to collect that much, and anything additional they collected, they got to keep that. And so the Jews would have seen them as taking advantage of the, of the Jewish people, and Levi was certainly in that category. Um, there's, you know, the way I look at this is Levi's a political extremist on one side. There's another disciple, um, another uh, disciple of Christ, Simon the Zealot, he would have been the exact opposite side, the one that was trying to overthrow Rome, right? And both were called to Jesus. Both, uh, both of these guys on the, the opposite ends of the political spectrum, all Jesus saw was this, this is one messed up dude. And I think, I think he, would, he would be great uh, to give me glory. And, you know, called him there. And what I love about Levi's, Jesus says, follow me. And he didn't even ask any questions. <laughs> it's like, what do you mean? You know, nothing. It's just like, okay, let's go. Let's do it. <laughs> and uh, I love that about Levi. So that's it for tonight. Any, any thoughts? I, usually I say, is there questions? But then I think, well, questions or thoughts? Because, you know, sometimes there's good, good thoughts that come out. The pie was good. Everybody's relaxed. Is right there. Yeah. Yeah, it's incredible. Um, and, you know, to me, like when I first read that about him sending the leper, the healed leper to the priest, I think, man, he's just like trolling the priest, you know, but, 
But the scripture says it was, he was sent him as a testimony. So Jesus' heart is better than mine. <laughs> that he, he cared for them and he wanted them to see it. Um, but that was, that's his heart. And uh, it's in, just incredible to me. And it, it shouldn't be, you know, because God is all knowing. He knew when he was talking to Moses how this was all going to roll out. Uh, but it's still neat to see the, the, the parallel there and, and how he, he just foreshadowed this time and time again throughout the Old Testament. And then when it came together at the, you know, um, kind of the climax of the Bible, it just like, boom, it all made sense. So it's incredible. Anything else? All right. Well, let's close in prayer. And, it was, you know, heavy on my heart was just praying for others, you know, as I was going through this, lifting up our loved ones. Um, and so let's do that. Let's do that right now. Dearly Father, Lord, I know uh, I'm thankful for just the brothers and sisters in this room. Come out on a Wednesday night. It's a, you know, everyone's busy and, and to, to come out and hear your word, Lord, and uh, just fellowship and share, share a meal together and, and uh, just a blessed time once we get here. Sometimes it's hard getting here, but I'm thankful for, for everyone that was able to come out. Lord, I know all of us have people you have put in our lives, um, some closer than others, some just, you know, neighbors or coworkers or strangers. Um, but we, we've all been in contact with people that you've, you've placed in our lives that, that need to know you. And Lord, so as a congregation, as a group here, Lord, as these names are coming through our minds collectively, Lord, we just bring them, bring these people to your feet. Lord, our heart is that they would, they would give up. Time to give up. The way of this world is, is not going to fit that need, not going to fit that, not going to satisfy in the end, Lord. I pray that they, they've come to, to the end and they're ready, they're ready to surrender. Lord, I pray you don't give up on those people. Lord, I pray you just continue to seek after them. Lord, we just love you and praise you. Thank you again for your word and gathering us here tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.